This is Deep Dive. I'm Sui. The spotlight was on Asia last week as the world looked at the G20 summit hosted by Indonesia. Some dubbed it as the most important political event globally this year. World leaders finally got together face to face for the first time since the pandemic, and despite their differences and quarrels. Leaders of the world's 20 largest economies begin their two-day summit. It's the largest gathering yet of this group of leaders. Chinese President Xi Jinping has called on the G20 to work together to meet the challenges of our times and build a better future. He said the summit comes at a time. The Asian wisdom. How will that shed the light on the G20 summit? The event also saw Chinese President Xi Jinping carried out a whirlwind of meetings with other state leaders. The most eye-catching one was with U.S. President Joe Biden. The two leaders sat down in Bali and talked face to face for the first time. For this, I spoke with CGTN current affairs commentator Dong Xue, who was in Bali following these meetings. This episode is brought to you on Tuesday, November 22nd. So first, how would you describe the general atmosphere of this year's G20 summit, both as group sessions and bilateral sit-downs? Well, I'd say it is a tough one, you know, having summit all put together against the backdrop of the changing international political landscape, economic slowdown, inflations, and of course, there's still the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. It's one thing, and the lack of consensus is another. Well, obviously, there's no group picture taken at the end, which is a bit of a pity to the presidency country, I guess. Despite all that, we've seen pictures coming out from the pool, leaders in very casual outfits, jeans, polo shirts, and caps on on a sunny and humid day with a heat index of over 35 degrees Celsius locally. To join the mangrove funding tree event, so you can still see the efforts out there. While for the bilateral sit downs, you know Chinese President Xi Jinping had met most of the G20 leaders here. That include, of course, Indonesian President Joko Widodo, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands, Southern African President, the President of the Republic of Korea, Australian Prime Minister, Senegal's President. So she had a very busy schedule. Among them, the highly anticipated China-U.S. bilateral talks wrapped up, and as Chinese、uh, State Councilor and Foreign Minister Wang Yi had said, that the meeting was an in-depth exchange, articulated each other's intentions, drew the red lines, helped prevent conflicts, pointed a future direction, and discussed areas of cooperation. The statement coming from each side had actually indicated the willingness to stop the deteriorating bilateral. Ties. Neither of the two sides want conflicts, but more cooperation. And also, the White House announced right after the bilateral talks that you know its Secretary of State Anthony Blinken will travel to China at some point for the coming January. So I think these are quite concrete steps achieved for both sides to going forward. And another bilateral talk I want to bring up is the one between China and Indonesia. Well, this is the second face-to-face meeting between these two. Heads of states in 2022 alone, according to the official readout, lots of the、uh, concrete cooperations will continue after this bilateral talk. For instance, the 
two heads of state have witnessed the signing of the action plan to strengthen the comprehensive strategic partnership, the Belt and Road Initiative plans, and cooperation documents on economic and trade cooperation, uh, digital economy, vocational education, medicine, plant industry, and uh, in other fields as well. We know the G20 Leaders Summit, this mechanism was established after the 2008 global financial crisis, and now the world is facing another economic turbulence. Some pundits observers say this might be worse than 2008. And we also hear China called on major countries to better incorporate the needs of developing countries into their policy considerations. So. What kind of resonations did this statement or this stance get at the summit? And what has China been doing in this realm since its leaders has been talking about this a lot? You know, during Chinese President Xi Jinping's meeting with the U.S. Secretary General Antonio Guterres, uh, President Xi stressed that China will continue strengthen cooperation with the U.N. and jointly work for solid progress on the Global Development Initiative and continue its support for the UN's 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, including the eradication of poverty and an end to an environmental degradation. It is an idea uh, initiated by President Xi and is being implemented ever since. And take the vaccines as an example. Well, China has uh, donated billions of doses of vaccines to developing countries since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. And also the uh, corporations in terms of building up a vaccination production plan is also went under talks uh, between leaders while they're at the G20 summit. Apart from uh, these issues, I'm uh, personally curious about what the state leaders, they talk about financial stability and their possible coordination of their physical and financial policies, uh, which is apparently a thorny issue for many countries. Uh, we know there are raging inflations and also considering the uneven steps to boost the post-pandemic economic growth. I guess the major countries today have a smaller room to maneuver compared with the 2008. So uh, what, what did they say about this? The G20 leaders, they have concluded with a leader's declaration, which you know, economic-wise, they said central banks will continue to appropriately calibrate pace of monetary policy, tightening in a data-dependent and clearly communicated manner. And also the central bank independence is crucial to achieving price stability, you know, Broadcasting monetary policy credibilities, and also to recognize many currencies have moved significant this year with increased volatility. And, and the leaders said, you know, I quote, we reaffirm the commitments made on exchange rates by our finance ministers and central bank governors in April 2021. I think these coming out from the leaders' declarations are a show of a sign of showing all these leaders' efforts trying to, you know, slow down the inflations and trying their best to, to work on the central banks, have the central banks play their roles to slow down the inflations. Hmm. Now, uh, let's look back at some of the bilateral talks you mentioned. Apparently, you mentioned the summit between the Chinese president and his U.S. counterpart. So how important do you think this meeting is? I mean, considering the difficulties faced by this very important bilateral ties. Well, I think it is very important 
not only for China and the U.S., these two countries, but more for the whole world. So we were staked out at the meeting venue, you know, we're packed with the journalists from around the globe. President Xi's uh, opening remarks also included this very important reminder that, you know, he said the world expects that the two countries will properly handle their relationship. And as I said earlier, Chinese State Council and Foreign Minister Wang Yi said, you know, the meeting was an in-depth exchange and also articulated each other's intentions. More importantly, both sides have drew their red lines. And in order to help prevent conflicts, the statement coming from each side had obviously indicated that both sides had the willingness to stop the deteriorating bilateral ties. Neither of the two sides want conflicts, but more cooperation. And also after the bilateral talks, the White House immediately announced the uh, trip for its Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, to travel to China at some point in order to you know, strengthen the cooperation, the talks between these two leaders. So generally, how big of a role does this kind of uh, direct and face-to-face meetings between two heads of state play in bilateral diplomacy, particularly when it comes to China and the United States? Well, I think the direct and face-to-face communication will play a pivotal role, very important to bilateral diplomacy. First and foremost, it feels different when you actually have the conversation in person, obviously experience the atmosphere. Even simple body language will send a message. Mm -hmm. And for this time around, you know, President Xi and Biden greeted each other with a handshake before they sat down for formal talks. So these two leaders also had a very long conversation for nearly three hours, if I remember correctly. So these are all good signs we, you know, witnessed on the ground. And let's recognize the um, importance of Xi and Biden talking face to face. But we still have to wait and see whether these goodwills develop during the conversation between these two presidents in Bali will lead to U.S. promises or delivering them into concrete actions or not. And as President Xi had noted that the world has come to a crossroads and Biden, on the other hand, had reiterated that U.S. is still respected the one China principle. So hopefully the U.S. will keep its promise of its candid and open conversation with China. Now, uh, this move on to China and Australia. Uh, we heard uh, two leaders try to recalibrate the two countries' relations. Uh, the Chinese president said what happened between the two countries in the past few years is not what their people wanted to see. And now it's a good thing that the two sides are trying to work on this again. So my question is, are we witnessing a true turning point? Or, I mean, is this too optimistic to say uh, their relations are starting to look up again? Or maybe something is already happening right now between these two countries to improve uh, their relationship? I feel like it is too quick to say whether, you know, this is a turning point Mm. between China and Australia. But I remember after the bilateral talks, Australian Prime Minister held his uh, press conference. He said Australia would like to keep frank and open conversation with China. And of course, they're looking for more cooperations with China. But don't forget, you know, Australia had a lot of uh, economic ties with the U.S. as well, mm. despite the fact that China is one of Australia's 
biggest trading partner. But there's just so many economic ties and the political relations between Australia and the U.S. So I think we'd better just wait and watch, you know, whether they will put their words into actions.、Mm. You also mentioned、uh, a series of very important agreements between the leaders of China and Indonesia in the first part.、Uh, we know the、uh, Jakarta Bandung high-speed rail line、uh, this time is.、Uh, Media highlight, and it actually the rail line、uh, drew a lot of attention even before the G20 summit. But we also know that this project has been delayed several times in the past few years. So about this high-speed rail,、uh, what's your observation there on the ground? Yes, as you mentioned,、um, a lot of、uh, cooperations and projects between China and Indonesia has been postponed or paused for a long time. But I think that is mostly due to the COVID nineteen pandemic, which has added a lot of uncertainties for the cooperation. But I think both China and Indonesia had a very fruitful outcomes from the bilateral talks here in Bali. Well, I'm not saying it is the result of one time conversation, but both two countries. Has kept a long-term bilateral relations, and this is the second face-to-face meeting between these two heads of states in 2022 alone.、Mm. And during the talks here in Bali, President Xi said, "You know, China and Indonesia, two countries as representatives of major developing countries as well as emerging markets, these two countries should." Uphold genuine multilateralism. Focus on key areas such as, you know, poverty reduction, food security, and financing for development. Work to implement highlight projects of the Global Development Initiative, which was proposed by President Xi to make more positive contributions to make a stronger and and healthier global development. And he also mentioned to build a closer China-ASEAN community with a shared future. And President Joko Widodo, on the other hand,、uh, first he extended warm congratulations to President Xi on his re-election as the、uh, General Secretary of the Central Committee of the Communist Party of China, and on the full success of the twentieth、uh, CPC National Congress. So the two leads of the state had also witnessed、uh, the signing of the action plan in order to strengthen more comprehensive strategic cooperations between these two countries. So I think it is a very good outcomes for the bilateral relations between China and Indonesia to going forward.、Mm-hmm. I guess it must be a very busy week for you as well. Personally, as a journalist, how do you feel covering those high-level face-to-face meetings on site? I mean, on the front line. This is my second time covering the G20 summit. I've done a lot of you know multilateral talks or bilateral talks before,、uh, but for the G20 summit last time I was in Hangzhou、mm-hmm. in 2016 covering this、uh, event. Well, obviously I feel lucky to have witnessed all these events at the front line because you know, every bit of the conversation among these heads of states could shake or even. Change the world, and also you can feel that lots of things can change in any time, very soon, very rapidly.、Mm. I would say just like the weather here in Bali, it was sunny and hot one day, and then it, it could just pour heavily、mm. the next second. So you know this. All these uncertainties, the changes、uh, among all these factors, are kept our job exciting and challenging at the same time.、Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Dongxue,、uh, for talking with us today. Thanks for having me. 
after leaders set a tone with their discussions, the next step normally will be carried out in further talks, where deals and agreements could be signed, and then the actions will follow. For example, Xi Jinping told Joko Widodo that China would continue to support Indonesia in building a regional vaccine production center. The two presidents saw the signing of agreement on medicinal plants, along with other deals on economy, trade, and more. They also witnessed a trial run of the Jakarta Bandung high-speed train, which we have covered in a previous episode. You can check it out to see how this rail line could change lives in Indonesia. Here on Deep Dive, we will bring you more follow-up stories. Follow the show, and you will be updated. You can leave comments on your podcast platform to tell us what you want to know about China and the rest of the world. This episode is brought to you by me, Suyi, and my colleagues Fei Fei and Zhang Zhang. Special thanks to CGTN current affairs reporter Dong Xue. See you next time.